Good morning. <laughs> How is everybody? Yeah. yeah, woo! Tim asked Nathan and I to come up here and, and talk about how Greater Alton can help the campus ministry and how Greater Alton can help the teen ministry. And much like what Nathan did last week, and if you haven't heard Nathan's lesson last week, I highly suggest going listening to it. It's really good and challenging. But much like what he did, where he's like, I can't just preach about campus ministry because there's like this interweaving in our family of Greater Alton where to help the campus ministry, we need to build our church stronger. And it's the same thing with the teen ministry. I can't stand up here and say, well, this is what I need for the teen ministry. We need a budget. We need people. No, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do today. Because I would much rather be broke and have strong Christian teens than have like all of this infrastructure and have kids who don't really care about Jesus. Does that make sense? So today, what I want to talk about is how you can spiritually help these kids. If you uh, open up your bulletin, there's some notes to follow along if you want. Uh, last week, Nate talked about getting off the bench and how there really isn't a bench. You're either in the game or you're not. You're either on the team or you're not. And today, I wanted to talk about put me in, coach. For those of you who are sports fans, I know not everybody is, think about teams that had vision, okay? When I think of teams that have vision, I think of people like Vince Lombardi. I'm not even a Packers fan, but you cannot deny that Vince Lombardi had vision. I'm a Patriots fan, and um, I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm stumbling. That's my next point. I'm a Steelers fan. Did you see me almost throw up in my mouth with the words that just came out? I'm a Steelers fan, and this year's a rough year for me. But I'm still a Steelers fan. At one point, we had vision. I mean, up until last year, we had the most Super Bowls. Up until last year when Patriots. But I cannot deny that the Patriots have vision, right? I cannot deny that somehow Bill Belichick can take the cashier from the local shop and save and turn him into a quarterback and win a Super Bowl. They have vision. I think of the Cardinals because they have this system in place. They have a farm league. They have all this. I think of when I was growing up hearing Whitey Ball. For those of you who are of a certain age, you think of Whitey Ball. They have vision. Um, last week we had our marriage retreat and Steve Autry was talking about how there's the Cardinal way. And how if a player comes into the system and they don't buy into the Cardinal way, they don't stick around with the Cardinals very long. Because the team is more important than the individual. These coaches and these owners put a vision in front of them. And for the past few months, we've been doing that with the high schoolers and the middle schoolers. We sat down and we talked about a vision statement. Something simple, something easy to remember. And we put that before them and we've been talking about vision for them. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is 2 Kings 6.17. A little backstory about this. The king of Aram has been invading Israel and Elisha keeps pretty much narking on him. Like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And so the king of Aram goes, we've got to find this man of God and get rid of him, right? 
So the king of Aram is after Elisha. And him and his servants are kind of holed up. They're on the lamb. They're kind of laying low. And I, this is just me. This is just the way I think of it. I think of the servant getting up one morning and walking out the front door to pick up the newspaper and there's the army of the Arameans. And he runs back in. Elisha, we are so dead. They found us. And I can just see in my head, again, this is just me. Elisha's like, we're fine. We're going to be fine. What do you mean? There's an army out there. There's a whole army. They're going to roll in here like SWAT team and kick down the door and we're dead. No, we're, we're, we're fine. Don't you see what's happening? No, this, yeah, we're going to die. No, we're fine. Look. And the servant's not seeing anything. So Elisha prays. 2 Kings 6.17 And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills filled full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Do not be afraid, for there are more that are with us than are with them. Oh, that's such a cool line. It's not even up there. It's just so good. There are, and so he put this vision. God puts this, gives the servant vision, but Elisha shares this vision with the servant and everything's alright. And the cool part about this story, this is just extra. This isn't part of the lesson. This is just a side note. What do we do with these guys? Well, Elisha prays that they get blinded. So this whole army's blinded and they lead them right in front of the army of Israel. Oh, we're going to kill them now, right? Nope. The, the king goes, what should I do? Well, let's throw a party. Let's give them a banquet, feed them, and they'll be on their way. That's, that's, that's just extra. So they don't have, nobody dies, everybody goes off. That's extra. That's, that's a bonus for this morning. That's, that's a really fun story. Second Kings 6, read it. It's really good. But they had a vision, right? Elisha puts a vision. And this morning, that's one I want to, I want to, I want to share with you guys. I want to share this vision that we put before the high schoolers and the junior hires that, that we can share as a family. I'm not up here to recruit anyone to the teen ministry, by the way. Um, yes, I could use some help on Tuesday nights. We have a cross chat in Edwardsville every other weekend or every other week. It'd be great for somebody else to do that besides me. I'm not up here to do that. I'm not up here to get money from you guys. I'm not up here to find somebody to replace me. But let's be real. I'm not 25 anymore. Yeah, they all think I'm old now. And one day, I won't be in the high school ministry. I have no, no grand illusion that I'm going to do high school ministry till I'm 85 and be, still be in touch with the teens. That's, they already think I'm out of touch. It's funny. <laughs> I'm not up here to find my replacement. I'm up here to share this vision with you guys. So how can I live with God's vision? Well, number one, I can live with God's vision when I connect. When I connect. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us be concerned for one another to help one another show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord coming near. My life is really busy. Really busy. 
Right now, I'm on this mandatory overtime thing. I'm working 60 hours a week. So my head is like a jumble of tired and thoughts and just sore body because I work in a steel shop. We have the teen ministry stuff, which I absolutely love doing. Um, and then we, on top of that, I have my own children. My life is busy. What's the first thing that I cut out of my busy schedule? It's really hard because like Friday night, we had this small group with our adult group that was just awesome. We were at Jay and Steph's house and we ate some really good food. Didn't know the toaster really just come out of the oven and I bit into it. Now I have a square burn on the inside of my mouth. It's fantastic. We had some really good discussion on what it means to transgress. That's a big word. Um, we had good time as prayer in prayer with the guys. That doesn't get cut out. That's that's my that's my connection to my family, right? Yesterday, um, we did archery tag out back with the high schoolers. Dude, I have not shot a bow and arrow, and and I I did the math. It's been over 25 years, over 25 years. So doing this, it doesn't hurt so much here or here, but more right here. Yeah, yeah. I kept turning my elbow as I was shooting, and I kept hearing a, a voice in my head go, Laces out, Finkel! But it was a lot of fun. I don't want to cut that out. A lot of the times when we get, and, and thank you to everybody who helped with that, by the way. I know some people got snacks and drinks, and some people helped show up, and some people just showed up to shoot kids, and that was fun. We had a great time. I posted on Facebook, any parents that want to come shoot their children, I mean play with their children, are more than welcome to. But we we had a great time. I don't want to cut that out. When we get busy, a lot of the time, and okay, I'm gonna say I because this is this is me. When I get busy, a lot of the time, the thing I want to do is sit on my couch in front of my TV to relax. Sometimes I need that, but sometimes I'm just being selfish. Sometimes I'm just sitting down and I'm avoiding the connection with my children and the connection with my wife and the connection with my family. What's the first thing we cut out? Acts 2, there's a few passages in Acts 2 that talk about connection. The first passage of Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. The disciples were together when times got hard. Because they were, let's face it, right at this point, Jesus is gone. They don't know what's going on. They're scared. I would be scared if the dude who died came back to life, told me I was going to be alright, and he just left. I'd be a little rough. And then down in uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we see this passage. We read it all the time, but do you catch the connection here? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They shared everything. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. How did they know they had need? They saw. They were connected. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church continually met together. They had connection if you want our teens to grow and have connection, they need to see that you are connecting. 
The next generation is going to grow up based on the modeling of the generation before them. Christianity is not a solo sport. It is a walk that was never meant to be walked alone. You have heard it takes a village to raise an idiot. I mean, child. I always say idiot, it's, but it's both. It takes, the, it takes a village to raise a child. There are more kids in the next generation than are just in the teen ministry. There's a children's ministry too. too. This is our next generation. Uh, far too often, I've heard, myself included, people complain about the generation that's coming up and how this world is doomed because these kids are idiots and this generation's lazy and it's entitled and all these words. They're that way because we're not teaching them. They're that way because we don't have that connection with them. Uh, I, for one, as I grow older, will almost always vote for a tax raise for my schools in my area just for the sheer fact that I don't want a bunch of idiots making decisions. This is just how I talk. I'm sorry if that offends you. But I want smart people coming out of our schools, and that's going to take money. I want good, solid Christians coming out of my teen ministry, and that's going to take something from me. It's going to take connection. We have a little special presentation for you guys talking about connection. Chris and Debbie are going to bring their class up here for you for a second. Something that we started with these kids three months ago is teaching them the books of the New Testament. Because if they don't know how to use the sword, they're not going to be able to live right for God. They're not going to be able to find the things in the Scripture that are going to show them what is right. So we've taught them a song. Some of you know it. And they're going to sing this song for you today. Alright? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. After the letters to the Romans. First and second Corinthians. and Ephesians. Philippians, Colossians. First and second Thessalonians. First and second Timothy. Titus and Philemon, Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, first and second and third John, Jude and Revelation. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, wasn't that awesome? We have to look to this generation that's before us. If we want them to know and we want them to understand, it doesn't happen without connection. Chris and Debbie are connecting with those kids. And two of them are mine. I'm really glad that they have people in their lives that can teach them that aren't me and Cassie. Because let's be real. We learn some things from our parents, but there's a lot we don't learn from our parents. There's a lot that God puts other people, aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and and godly people in their lives that we need. Are you willing to connect with the younger generation? Heck, are you willing to connect with your own age group? Are you willing to spend time with each other? The teens, if because my focus is on the teens, right? If you want them to do this, they need to see you modeling it. They need to see you connecting with each other. But more than that... 
they need to see deep connection. Uh, last weekend we had the marriage retreat up here and we got to do the uh, personality um, test, the color chart thing. When I stood up here with everybody, what I noticed is that my little group that was right here, and I say little because there were like five of us. It was me and Tim and Jim and Bob and Susie. There was five of us oranges. That group is the outgoing, loud, you all find annoying sometimes people. There was only five of us. Now given there were some reds and there were some yellows, but a majority of you were the people that it's work to connect. And that's not saying anything bad. I'm not looking down on anybody. But I understand from the extrovert being married to the introvert, I understand the connection issues. I understand how sometimes that just drains you. But these teens need to see us being willing to connect to each other. More than that, they also need to see us not just connecting horizontally, but they need to see us connecting vertically. They need to know that we're connecting to God. In Colossians 3.16, it says, Christ's message in all its richness must live in your hearts. Teach and instruct one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns, and sacred songs. Sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. Do the teens see us doing this? Do the teens know that God's message in all its richness lives in our hearts? James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do they see us connecting with God? God needs more connections in His kingdom. You don't have to connect with everybody. You don't have to connect with every teenager, every campus-aged person, every young adult, every regular adult. But you've got to connect with at least a few people. We have small groups here. They are a perfect place for connection with a, with a small group. Uh, it's, it's amazing. We're kind of in, an, in a new group with a bunch of, a bunch of people. Um, we were in like the chapel small group and then chapel small group got too big and the young adults wanted to be a part of it and it was cool. So we split up into three different groups. So we're kind of like this newish group. And like, we've had three, three groups so far and right off the bat, it was a family. We had connection. It's been amazing. God is awesome. Do you have that? If you aren't a part of a small group, you're missing out. You're missing out on this connection, this support group, this family. And I highly recommend finding a small group and devote yourself to it. Number two, I can live with God's vision when I grow. When I grow. First Peter chapter 2 Now like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you will grow up mature and whole in God. Some of you here are new Christians. Right off the top of my head, I think of Aslan and Corbin because they're like my newest baby brothers. They're fresh. Like they still got that brand new baby smell to them. 
Parents know what I'm talking about, and it's not the dirty diaper. But, hey, Aslan, audience participation, come up here and finish the sermon. <laughs> his face right there, his face, he's not ready. You're not ready for that, are you? No, no, I can't expect Aslan to come up here and finish the sermon. One, he didn't write it. And two, he's like, I've never done like a, a, like a lesson let alone a sermon. I see that look in his face. And Corbin's like, I'm so glad he didn't talk to me. <laughs> but I can't expect him to do that, right? Just like I can't expect little baby Judah over there to come walking up here, talking and, and singing, right? I can't expect that. New Christians are, are, are spiritual infants. They have to grow. They have to learn. The teens need to see us growing. God needs you to be growing. Once you stop growing, you die. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12-14, through it says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Some of you ought to be teachers. But you've stopped growing. I, If I came back here in a year, and Melissa's still sitting there holding little baby Judah in a year, we would all agree that something's wrong. Right? Some of you are stunted in your growth spiritually. And the kingdom needs you to grow. The kingdom needs you to find that growth again. Find that passion. Find your Bible. If we want the teens to grow spiritually, if we want the campus ministry to grow spiritually, if we want Greater Alton to grow spiritually, we individually need to grow spiritually. If we want the teens to grow in number and the campus to grow in number and Greater Alton to grow in number, we need to grow. They want, they, the teens, everybody, I'm gonna keep pointing to them. They need to see us maturing. And not just getting old. They need to see us focusing during the sermon. If we want them to focus during the sermon, we gotta focus during the sermon. If we want them to pray fervently during prayer time, we need to pray fervently during prayer time. If we want them to fill in the blank, we need to fill in the blank. We can't expect them to do something we're not willing to do. I tell my guys at work, if I tell them to do something, it's because I have done it or I will do it. I will never tell somebody to do something that I haven't done myself. Like the other day, when I said, we need to build tooling that is eight inches taller off the bottom than normal. And they're like, that's really dangerous. And then I said, you big baby, I've done it many times. And then I almost blew the tooling up. That was, they're like, see? I go, it didn't. I said, almost. I have told the teens that I will not live hypocritically in front of them. I, I've, I've said that I'm not going to hide my screw-ups in front of you guys. 
There, I translated it for you. And they know, specifically the boys, know all of my screw-ups. <laughs> they know where I have gone wrong. They know what God has brought me through. And they know that I am honest with them, that I'm an idiot. Right? I'm a big idiot. My wife will, my wife will agree with me too. I'm not going to hide that stuff to make myself look better. Because by not hiding that stuff, I make God look better. Are you willing to share your crap? Can the people around you see you growing? Honestly, look at your spiritual walk and ask yourself, can the people around me see me growing? And if not, what can you do to start growing again? Who who can you connect with? to start growing again. Who can you have walk alongside you? I, w- I point to your small group. Go to them. They can help me. They can help you. The third thing, the, the, the third point that I put in front of the, we put in front of the teens, I can live with God's vision when I serve. So we've gotten the full circle now of our teen ministry's vision. Connect, grow, serve. I have said that from up here before, so it shouldn't have been that big of a surprise. I was joking around with some of the teens that they're already going to know all the blanks before we get there. Connect, grow, serve. So I live with God's vision when I serve. Last week, Nathan had a part of this passage in his lesson. I decided I wanted to read the whole thing today. It's Matthew 25, verses 31-46. through When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I am not sending you to Africa. 
I am not sending you to New York. I am not even sending you to St. Louis. I am sending you to 506 East Airline Drive, Rosewood Heights, Illinois. Or, or insert your address or your workplace here. God has put something in front of us, each and every one of us, and it's not the same thing. I was joking around in the teacher service when I said, thank Jesus, children's ministry is not in front of me. It's funny, because I went to school to be a teacher. And I got into the classroom and realized I didn't like kids. Which is even funnier that God called me to be a youth minister. They're different ages though. You guys are more tolerable. I can yell at you, right? Never do, but I could. But like little kids are really clingy. And then I had kids of my own, so that makes it even funnier. But God has put stuff in front of us. Each of us has a task. Some place for us to serve. Last week, Nate talked about churches on the street, how he's been involved with that. And I know Mark's been involved with that too. I get to see these posts. And that's really challenging to me. That's really challenging because I'm the guy who for the longest time has just like turned that blind eye. Like, I'm going to look to this side of my car for no reason while that guy is standing right next to my window. Last weekend when we were at the baseball game, I've been praying about this. Last week when we were at the baseball game, we were walking out. There's people begging. And I stopped and gave them some money. And Cassie kind of looked at me strange, like I did something I never never do, because I never do. It's been all my heart. Really cut, cut deep on that one. God has put something in front of you, and each of us are specifically designed to do the task God has given us. In Romans 12, 4 through 8, it says, A body is made up of many parts. Each of them has its own use. That's how it is with us. There are many of us, but we are each part of the body of Christ as well as a part of one another. God has also given each of us different gifts to use. If we can prophesy, we should do it according to the amount of faith we have. If we can serve others, we should serve. If we can teach, we should teach. If we can encourage others, we should encourage them. If we can give, we should be generous. If we are leaders, we should do our best. If we are good to others, we should do it cheerfully. Some Sundays after church, there are middle schoolers who need to go out for lunch. And there's only a handful of parents and and adults. Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, I don't speak for all the middle schoolers, but... I think it would have been cool if like somebody who was a little bit older than me when I was in middle school, like maybe a college kid, was like, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And that's a big deal for a college kid because they are broke. But Wendy's has a $4 meal deal. You get nuggets, a junior bacon cheeseburger, fries, and a drink. $4. And if you want to upgrade it, they have a biggie bag for $5. What? 427 and 540 something. 542 for the two with taxes because government. But, you know, there's, there's, uh, we haven't done it in a while, 
because we've been, I've been busy. But we used to do feed a campus kid night at our house at the beginning of each semester. And I would make a ton of pizza. Like there was, there'd be pizza dough everywhere in our house. And, and this was before we moved to the new house. So we were still in the itty bitty little house. And we had all these kids, Cassie's shaking her head. She knows what's up. Cause there'd be people outside on my porch eating pizza and our neighbors would be like, Oh, it's feed a campus kid night again. I'm, do you notice this theme with campus kids and food? They're like Cassie. The weight of their heart is through their stomach. Am I wrong? No, I'm not wrong. I was a campus kid once. Gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, there, there are people in this church that need help. I know for a fact that Jim and Suzanne need help painting their house, sealing the house, whatever. Cassie and Bree are trying to get people to go over there because their lame son-in-law can't get off work anymore. There are people in this church who are who are who are sick and are are dealing with sickness. There are people in this church who are dealing with financial issues. There are people in this church. Notice, I'm just talking about our family, our body in this church. Once we get Acts two figured out, where they where no one has need, what's the world gonna see? They're gonna see something completely different. They're gonna see something crazy. Insane, because these people who are like weirdly different from each other are loving each other like they're the closest of kin. And then they're going to be like, oh wait, they are the closest of kin. They were all bought with the same blood. We have to serve. If we want these bums over here to get off their bottoms and do stuff, if we want to be like, oh, those teens are just sitting over there again. Are we just sitting talking about those teens sitting over there again? We gotta get up and do something. Yes, I could use somebody for cross chat. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna bring that up again. Tuesday nights, 7 p.m., Dave and Ulrika's house. Every other Tuesday, except October 8th, there's a concert, so we're gonna go to the concert. But that's not what everybody's called to. I get that. Some of you are called to ministry. Bless your hearts in the children's area. Whew. Those people are saints. Yes, I could use somebody to train to replace me eventually when the arthritis really kicks in. But we could also use somebody pushing a broom. We could also use somebody visiting people in jail we could also use somebody all of those gifts that we read off plus more taking meals to the sick a lot of you make blankets and stuff that's amazing i have no ability in doing that i'm in awe my daughter will come up to me because she's learning from suzanne and the other ladies sewing she'll come up to me with this barbie and there'll be this little dress on this barbie that she made i'm like i don't you didn't use staples you guys have talents that I don't have. You can fill these needs. And I want to encourage you to connect, to grow, to serve. Connect, grow, serve. Connect, grow, serve. Because when you do that, you live with God's vision. That's God's vision for us is to connect with Him and with each other. To grow in stature. Jesus had to grow. The Bible even says that. He grew in stature and favor among men. 
And they serve each other. And when we do that, we just follow the example our Father set through Jesus for us. I want to leave you with something. Um, I hope it encourages you. It always encourages me when I read this. And it always really challenges me. This, what I'm about to read you, is a prayer by a man named Sir Francis Drake. He was a sailor. A little renowned sailor. Kind of a big deal. He he prayed this prayer, and I hope it challenges and encourages you, challenges and encourages you as much as it does me. And I hope that the rest of the day and this week you can think about connecting and growing and serving. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. We're losing sight of land. We find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizon of our hopes and to push us into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. This we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. May we not arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for this time and this place, for this family that You have given us, for this people. Help us to connect to each other and to You more deeply. Help us to grow in love and knowledge of You. Help us to serve each other. Father, You are awesome. I am so blessed to be a part of Your kingdom and to be Your child. I pray that those here who are not can seek You and find You. They can become part of this family and they can become Your children. I want to pray for anybody here making a decision today about anything that has to do with you that they can use that prayer card in their folder and, and, and seek you where they're at. Help them today, Father. Be with us this week. Help us to be mindful of you and the people around us. I love you. It's your name I pray. Amen.